right, welcome to the 11 Dubcast. This is Johnny Ginter. I am here uh, with some good supportive friends because unfortunately Bo had kind of a, a little bit of a family emergency. I had to take care of some things. Everybody should be okay, but uh, he'll be back next week. Uh, I've got Andy Vance. Say hi, Andy. How's it going? Oh, there! Wow, it was very good. Uh, and of course, Kevin W. Hare. That's how you show up on this. What does the W stand for, Kevin? Uh, whatever you want it to. <laughs> is that okay. is that literally what it stands for? Like, that sounds Kevin, like a cheap come on line. No, 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 no. It stands for Wayne. Really? Yeah. That's fantastic. Kevin Weezy Harris. There you go. Now you should just tell people it's Weezy. I mean, little little Weezy, yeah, Kevin we- Weezy Harris. That's excellent. Andy, what's your middle name? Play. Named after my dad. Clay? Oh, that's yeah. a good one, too. Clay? Dang. Wheezy and Clay. I like it. Uh, my middle name's Ray. Um, they pulled names out of a hat for my dad. And the singer Johnny Ray was really popular at the time. So that's what it ended up being. And I'm, I'm Johnny Ray Ginter Jr. So now that we're all acquainted, what we would like to talk about today, we're going to spend a little bit of time on the Zach Smith stuff, but not a lot. Because frankly, I'm. it's, it's like, I don't know. Right now, at this point, it's like trying to follow just an insane novel with 5,000 characters that keeps updating all the time is driving me nuts. Um, I will say I got roasted pretty hard <laughs> last week uh, for some of the stuff that, you know, we were talking about and whatnot. And, and I will say that one of the things that I thought was pretty uh, insightful and justified by the people who were listening and, and commenting and stuff was that a lot of this does depend on how Ohio state uh, administrative staff, the investigation perceives how urban Meyer handed all this stuff. And, and for me, Everything else is just kind of insane, psychotic window dressing that keeps changing every hour. And I feel for me personally, like I just don't like the feeling of uh, not necessarily getting played, but the idea that both sides have picked their journalistic outlet, you know, either Brett McMurphy or Snook or whatever, and they are just feeding constant you know rebuttals of information to these guys and and that's kind of what we're we're mercy to and i don't like that feeling that that feels like a really dishonest way to approach this uh subject but i don't know like i said i think it's all going to shake out depending on how the investigation feels that they feel the uh that urban meyer followed proper protocol and he did everything that he needed to do i think it'll be all right um, but if something comes up in the course of what they're looking at then maybe we'll have to account for some things kevin what i want to ask you You've written a lot of articles and stuff over the past, I don't know, what, two weeks now, basically? Like, how many, let me ask you this, how many articles on the site pertaining to this incident do you think you've written so far? Oh. Um, (laughs) Like, honestly, it's probably, it's probably like 40. Oh my God, dude. Like, it's, it's probably up there. Okay, can I ask, okay, so this is why I'm I really am glad that we get to talk tonight because I want to know from you how are you feeling about that? How are you feeling about this constant grind of like updating and every new thing that comes out? I mean, it, what is your perspective on the story because of that? I think like on one hand, like I, I don't know, I, I feel like I'm exceptionally like informed about what's yeah. going on, I guess. Because like it's one level to read something. It's another level to read it and then put it into words for somebody else to also understand, like take the mm-hmm. highlights from it and explain it to somebody else. So like I've done that like 40 times with 40 different things. And um, so I think like compared to most people who just kind of get the highlights of things, like I feel like I have a 
pretty pretty good grasp on what's what's happening but um i think it didn't start to get like insane to me until saturday saturday is when it started to be like this is absolutely insane and i can't wait to write about football but you know that's, that's part of the job it's a heck of a of a first couple of weeks to be full time <laughs> yeah no kidding i mean that's that's I think it's remarkable what you and Dan and everybody else has been doing. It's just an unbelievable amount of work. Um, and I think you guys have, especially trying to parse through all this, like I, however you feel about how this is going, I don't think at this point anybody can say that some of the primaries who are putting out this information, like McMurphy and Snook, are, are doing at all the job they should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Andy, what I wanted to ask you then is as someone who maybe isn't as in the weeds as Kevin is right now, how, what is your perspective on all this? Like, I mean, Kevin just mentioned, you know, like the Tom Herman thing and all this other stuff that just seems to be coming out literally every hour on the hour. How are you like absorbing all of this? Yeah. So Saturday's a great example. I'm, I'm doing things with my wife and daughter and having, you know, normal family Saturday and you know, my phone is just blowing up with Slack notifications and right. Twitter comments and so on. And, you know, I might have been away from, my phone for, you know, or not looking at it actively for half hour, 45 minutes of time. And you come back and you said, Oh, you know, it's like, as the world turns, some new revelation in the story has popped up when I wasn't looking. And you, you <laughs> said it well, that you've, you've kind of got two camps that are, are now, uh, you know, have their own embedded journalist. And, and I think as someone who, you know, I'm relatively new to sports writing, but have been, um, a, a journalist or a broadcaster reporter for 15 plus years now, right. I'm sitting here watching this as um, somebody who is just blown away by the journalism involved here. I'd hate to go back and do, you know, I'd love to see like a Columbia journalism review, cover, <laughs> do a case study on <laughs> this story because, you know, I started out and, and I've, I've been one who has said, I hate when people blame the media uh, and I realize that sounds a bit self-serving saying I've been in the profession for, sure. for 15 plus years, but I hate it. It's kind of like complaining about the refs. I hate when people blame the media. However, comma, you have an example here of, of two reporters in particular, and, and then we can talk about the pundits separately, uh, who who have done really great initial things like breaking a story or you know kind of taking a story to a national uh, exposure level. But but in both cases with, with Snook and McMurphy, you're breaking these stories in long form on Facebook without any of the benefits, so to speak, or more importantly, the rigors of an editorial process that you would expect right. if either of them were were reporting these stories for an ESPN, a USA Today, a Wall Street Journal, a whomever. Th- th- there are certain practices and procedures and protocols and 11 Warriors goes through, you know, we, we've fact checking and, and uh, making sure we have multiple sources on things, you know, basic journalistic principles. And you, you just are watching some of these and saying, wait, wait a minute. Uh, you know, the, the big flap was made about Brett McMurphy's stealth edits to his Facebook posts where you know, he changed some very basic facts of the initial story six or seven times. And you say, okay, well, how big were those changes? And in many cases, there were things that had there been a really rigid traditional editorial process maybe would have been avoided to begin with. Now, does that change the ultimate situation that we're dealing with in terms of what did Urban Meyer know and what will the investigators find and what will President Drake decide to do? Eh, probably not. Probably probably isn't earth shattering, but it certainly set the tone 
for how we're all viewing this situation and how serious it really is or isn't. And so that's what really, I think, you know, if, if my opinion has changed on any one significant part about this in the past couple of weeks, it's just how angry I am about how guys like Brett McMurphy and other guys have, have reported this information, how it's been disseminated, because it's just it's doing a complete disservice to the overall idea here. And I just I hate that. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about, and we can move on from that a little bit. I mean, we, we will get into that next, uh, you know, obviously assuming the investigation wraps up uh, within the week, which it may not, Kevin. So I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry to tell you, dude. Like, just because they said that doesn't mean they got to stick to it. Uh, I think what's been going on at Maryland has is like, to me, you know, outside of our little bubble, to me, that's one of the biggest stories of the year where you have a situation uh, where players are being put in unsafe, you know, practice type situations. Um, you know, they had a student, uh, a student athlete who died earlier in the year. Um, and this was even, you know, reported like I think you know, back in June or July about the, the heat stroke that was involved. Um, that's the kind of stuff where you've got, I mean, and people make a big deal like, oh, we've got these two, you know, coaches, DJ Durkin, who's, who's suspended. But like to me, that's a much broader issue of sports in general. And, and maybe that's a topic for an entire dubcast. But I wanted to ask both of you guys of this. And we kind of like, I think, span a good like range of ages. Andy, do you mind asking me how old you are? I, I was thinking about this the other day and I think I finally realized, I think I'll be, I think I'll be 37 in December. Okay. Right on. So we're pretty close in age. You're only yeah, about yeah. four years older than I am. Yeah. Um, but Kevin, you're what? Early twenties, 23, 24, 24. Okay. Yeah. I, so, and, and Andy, maybe you can speak better to this, but my feeling was, is that when I was in high school, and when I was doing sports, like in high school, middle school and whatnot, I still had some coaches that were of the you know idea that like, OK, you know, you got to earn a water break or <laughs> you've got to like, you know, you've got to tough it out. Like, you know, you're getting a little dizzy, starting to see double, got to push through that. I don't know, Andy, how much of that you experienced, because I know that, you know, you probably had a lot of like, you know, really tough, grinded out coaches. And Kevin, did, what kind of sports did you play when you were younger? I played pretty much everything, uh, baseball, basketball, football. Uh, yeah, soccer. right on. So I want to ask, I'll start with Andy. I want to ask you, did you have any experiences where coaches were like, the mentality was you got to gut this out, you got to earn water, things like that? I, I remember one experience. I would say my my football experience was really positive in high school um love mm -hmm. you know middle school high school had, had a really i was an offensive lineman uh loved it and there was one experience i remember uh on the jv team one of one of our coaches who I, I didn't have a high degree of respect for uh and maybe this story will illustrate why uh, our county fair was the week of labor day and i'm i'm a farm kid grew up on the farm took um, you know, show steers to the county fair and had 4-H projects and so on. And I had to miss one of our practices during two a days because the 4-H judging was that day. So I'd gotten permission from the head coach, you know, to miss practice that day. And so when I came back for the second session of two a days, now uh, this, this other coach, assistant coach said, well, why'd you miss practice this morning? I said, well, I had 4-H judging for the county fair. And he says, what were what what 4-H project were you doing? And I said, well, it was vegetable gardening. And oh my gosh, you would have thought I said that I was doing, you know, needlepoint because <laughs> he laid into me that I missed practice for, and his solution to this problem that, you know, I had 
skipped practice in essence to go to the the vegetable gardening judging at county fair was to make me basically run till i puked uh, i mean right. i think i ran for the better part of the whole two hours just you know run you and so dad picks me up from practice and it's the closest i've ever seen my dad come to physically assaulting another adult human being because <laughs> dad could tell i was on the verge of something bad happened. You know, at the time we laughed yeah. at it. Like I didn't actually think death was an option, but after watching this uh, story develop about Jordan McNair at Maryland, you think, Oh, wait a minute. You know, maybe that was an unsafe situation and maybe that person shouldn't be coaching young men. I didn't think anything of it at the time because all's well that ends well. Sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. If you don't sustain any serious damage, you know, long-term, whatever, you don't think about it. You're like, Oh, well, that sucked. And then you kind of move and on. You move on. on. Right. I just feel like a lot of this stuff is generational. I feel like people who are so stuck in the idea that like, this is how we did it. This is how you be, you know, became tough. You know, this is how I'm going to make these kids stuff. And it just, it drives me crazy. And so Kevin, that's what I want to ask you as someone who's a little bit younger than us. Um, did you see any of that or, or has the culture kind of been shifting a little bit? Do you think? I think in general, the, the culture has been shifting. Um, I didn't encounter probably as much as you did. Um, but I, I think, I think like a lot of what I experienced was sometimes the, <clears throat> like my generation would have the information or like know things like, Hey, this isn't a good thing to do. Or, yeah. you know, like, like water's, water's important to, to hydrate. <laughs> like we, you know, like, like we're, I'm not, I'm not trying to die and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and they'd bring it up to the coaches and like, be like, you know, like this isn't, I don't like, like, for example, I remember one time, um, one of my coaches was like my, one of my baseball coaches was like leading us in, uh, in stretching. And he had us like do that one where you put your feet together and you bounce your legs up and down. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, you ever seen that one? Well, yeah. yeah. And, I did uh, that one. Probably every sport yeah, I ever yeah. played. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. and, and so like one kid was like, uh, you know, it's actually really dangerous to bounce your muscles like this. Like you need to have like a static static stretch. And he was like, Oh, he's like, well, back in my generation, we liked the pain. Like we thought the pain made it stronger. (laughs) That's that's a classic coach line, right? Yeah, it is. We all just, right. We, we all kind of just looked at him like he was stupid and he was like, all right, we'll do what you think you need to do. We're like, okay, we will. And like, I, I think that's like the, the the closest I had to like a conflict between that. But I think it, it definitely is like, um, I think the higher levels you go, as you kind of pointed out, uh, the the coaches seem to have an understanding of, um, you know, how, how things actually work. Because I, I think to a point, it's when you're in the lower levels, when, when you said that they're teaching like six to eight year olds, those right. guys never really made it to the level where um, they kind of found out that you know, you like how things actually work. Whereas the guys who are coaching like upper level and are successful coaches, uh, they probably made it to that level and realized some of the things that, I don't know. I, 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 mean, I just think that, right. Like, yeah. you know, with what's going on in Maryland, I mean, I think there was a large institutional, you know, failure of people to, to monitor that stuff and to make sure that they were, you know, not taking people to the extreme. And, and we, you know, we kind of talk about it half jokingly with like the St. Valentine's day massacre that, you know, Marathi does. But I, but I also know that like, I don't think that Ohio state 
is dumb enough to you know it, it's going to be a hard workout i'm sure but they don't want anybody getting like you know rhabdo or whatever where they're you know their their kidneys start to break down and stuff right. like that i mean they're they're smart enough to be able to pace that stuff out even if it's a terrible workout i think you're right for the most part uh, at that level i think that you've got people who are you know they've got enough expertise to the point where that's not going to be that big of a, a thing. And that's so, the baffling thing about this Maryland situation to right. me. You, you look right. at Ohio state, how many sports scientists and nutritionists and, and strength and conditioning experts does the university have on staff just for exactly. the football program? It's, it's probably a surprising number. If you actually sit down and count that, I, I went to wrestling practice a couple times, last year during the season. And, and every time I went in a Kyle Snyder or someone um, had a set of monitors on and they, there's a big screen up on the wall showing their vital stats while they're training and, and working. And I mean, there was a sports scientist. <laughs> working. Incredible. Um, anyway, I want, we've talked a lot about non Ohio state football stuff. I want to make sure before we, you know, move on to anything else that we get to talk a little bit about this upcoming season. I feel like everything else has been so difficult, uh, you know, to kind of overcome that we haven't been able to talk about how exciting uh, the Ohio state football team might be in 2018, all the crazy things that are going on. And we'll get more into it as the you know next couple of weeks play out. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about real briefly, I, I think sometimes we have the tendency when we're doing previews of the team, you know, in any year really, to look at just a couple of position groups. Like we want to make sure that the running backs are fine. We want to make sure the wide receivers are good. We want to make sure, of course, the quarterbacks are great. But beyond that, I think people kind of get lost in the weeds. And maybe that's a little bit because we don't fully like maybe appreciate what some of the other units do. But I wanted to ask you guys, and I'll, I'll do my spiel here real quick, but I wanted to ask you guys what units that beyond the you know the skill positions that you're like really excited about really interested in i am personally extremely interested in how the offensive line is going to play out i think that's something i don't think we talk about enough uh when it comes to football in general just the technique of playing it and and why certain positions matter more than others and, and all that stuff like people always talk about you know the left tag on that stuff but i just I am really curious how that plays out. Uh, one of the suggested topics, one of the things we'll get into this week is just how unbelievably large the people on offensive line are this year, which is really interesting, I think. Um, but I just, I, you know, for me, that's the biggest thing I've been paying attention to in all these reports about who's being where, and, you know, is Michael Jordan going to be the center, all this stuff. So that's what I'm kind of chewing on a little bit. Kevin, what's, what do you think about what, what is the group that you're really looking forward to? That isn't one of those sexy positions. Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to really evaluate what a sexy position is, but the, the <laughs> I mean they're all beautiful I, in their own way, Kevin. Right, but yeah. I, you know, just basically something that's not quarterback, wide receiver, running back. Oh, I can do that. All right. So the unit that I I cannot stop thinking about is Ohio State's defensive line. Okay. Because it makes absolutely no sense that they just sent three defensive ends and a defensive tackle are currently in NFL camps. Yep. And the defensive line might be better this year. They've got, <laughs> they've got um, pro football talk just released yesterday that Draymond Jones and Nick Bosa were uh, graded out as the best pass rushers at each of their positions last year. So That's Ohio fantastic. State has the best, the best pass rushing defensive end and um, the best pass rushing defensive tackle uh, along with Chase Young, who's like the literal predator. And uh, <laughs> There, there's there's Jonathan Cooper, 
who's behind there too. And he's, he's the five-star guy that people seem to forget about. Um, and then like BB Landers is fun too. I, I just think like, it's, it's an unbelievably talented defensive line, especially for how many guys they lost last year. And it's just absurd to me that there could be three guys drafted and the defensive line's better the next year. That, that should not happen. Let me, I want to ask you something about that though. Do you feel that a lot of that is just projection based on, I don't know, like recruiting, small sample size. Like, are you super confident in, in some of those lofty predictions? Because I, I look at that and I'm like, yeah, okay. I know Nick Bosa and some of these other guys are like known quantities, but I don't know that it's as, I guess, deep as last year. That's something that I worry about a little bit. I, I don't know for sure if it's as deep as last year. I, I think the difference is there. you're right. There aren't um, the same number of proven guys, but like, I think Jonathan Cooper, I don't know. I, I was really excited about Jonathan Cooper specifically. Um, and they've got, they've got like, like they've got like just Sean Cornell too, who is mm-hmm. also like a five-star when he committed too. But, right. um, but he's like, they've got like, like different guys they can put in situationally too. Like, cause he's, he's played defensive tackle last year and he's moving back out to defensive end. So he can come in and be like a bruiser at, at defensive end this year. Cause he's a big sort of guy. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of it is based on projection, but like those projections don't come from nowhere. Like, you know, I, I think it's people want to might want to pump the brakes a little bit on Chase Young because he hasn't really played and you're just expecting this guy to be, you know, absurdly good um, right. when he didn't even really play last year. But like you don't get to be a, like a top 10 player in the country just from like nothing. And I think um, specifically like, uh, there, there's a lot of underrated guys in college for sure, but like those top like 30 guys in coming out of high school are usually really good because it's not like like they're they're the ones that are constantly evaluated by recruiting services and stuff like that. So the the guys that have the, they're the guys who've had the spotlight on them for years. So I I, I don't think that like it's really that um, reasonable that Chase Young is going to be like a bust. So. I don't know. I, I, I think I think they're going to be absurdly good. And I think even if you just had Nick Bosa and Draymond Jones, that's still like an ungodly defensive line. Yeah, no, I, they're they're definitely I mean, you know, two of the best defensive linemen in the country. I think that's I think that's probably an arguable. I just you know, like I said, I worry a little bit about projecting excellence before you kind of see it on the field a little bit. Um but I mean, there's still going to be a, an excellent defensive line. I don't think you can say that they won't. Uh, Andy, think- what do you think? Oh, no, go ahead. ahead, I I was just going to say, I was going to say another thing that I've noticed this off season is like Draymond Jones is super flying under the radar. Mm. And I think like, I think he could have left this year and been a first round high second round pick and nobody seems to really be talking about him. And I think part of it's just because he's not named his last name isn't Oliver or Gary, Um, you know? (laughs) Right. and, And those guys are monsters, but like, I think like he's the guy that's going to go super under the radar and he's going to make huge plays this year. And um, you know, he, he's going to be a first round pick. He's going to be a first round pick. And I think even Ohio state fans don't really seem to be picking that up. Yeah. They're, well, they'll have to quickly because I think a lot of these guys are going to make a really like, again, I'm wary about it, but I still feel that you're going to see some guys make some guy will have a three or four sack game and everybody's going to lose their minds. Like who the <laughs> hell was that dude? Yeah. And no, I'm serious. And then, and then they'll kind of build up that momentum, but it, it takes a game like that. I think for people to really notice, uh, Andy, what are you looking forward to? 
Well, so I'm going to retweet what Kevin said for, but I'm going to summarize it in in two words. So Kevin Kevin is 100% right about the D line and those two word uh, reason for that is Larry Johnson. I mean, as long yeah, as LJ is coaching the defensive line, I I really don't care who they're playing because they're probably going to be world beaters. <laughs> uh, I mean, just trot out whatever recruits um, we have because Larry has this Midas touch with defensive linemen, and it is a joy to watch. You know, you talk about the opposite of the toxic culture they had uh, we were talking about a few minutes ago at Maryland, you look at how Larry Johnson handles his business coaching the defensive line. Uh, and it's, it, it really is a testament, I think, to what's right with coaching. You, you hit it earlier. I'm, I, I love the road graders. You want to talk about a sexy position. If anytime you want to talk about offensive line, just make my little heart go pitter pat. And, and <laughs> yes, as I said earlier, I was, I was a lineman in, in high school. So I, I have a special affinity for the big eaters club. And I'm just sort of going into the season, assuming that whoever ends up getting the starting nod at center will be a Remington finalist. And, and um, right. will, you know, we're, it's just, just the way things happen. We have done a, a really remarkable job of recruiting some exceptionally large humans and and then they come to campus and learn just just really solid fundamental technique and this tra- tradition of having really incredible offensive linemen is is something to to be said but i'm going to be a little bit contrarian and and uh, you asked which position group we're excited about uh, i'll tell you one i'm interested excited is the wrong word but i'm interested <laughs> all right to see what by the way real quick we... andy i want to i want to point something out my mom's been a she's she's been an educator nurse school nurse for about almost 30 years now and one of the things that she made her nursing students say instead of like suck is uh this is interesting so her yeah. students would always be like they'd be like miss ginter this is this is incredibly interesting this is the most interesting lesson we've had all year it's it's so interesting i love it it's interesting uh, I just uh, with that caveat, Andy, woman after my own heart. One of my one of my favorite authors um, would would often interject in his novels that uh, you know the Chinese have an in, have a curse that may you live in interesting times. Right, you know? and that's uh, I, I'm right on those lines. So one position group I'm very interested to see this year is what <laughs> happens, and it looks like about fifty six percent of eleven warriors are with me on this. Like what it what's going to happen with this linebacking group? You know, so there I think go. that. If I went back a year ago and said, where did the wheels fall off the wagon? It was, it was this linebacker group. So I could, I could say, um, I'm really excited to see what happens with the receivers. Now that, that we're going to have, uh, I think, a, a much better overall uh, coaching situation for them. Um, but I, I'm really interested to see what happens with this linebacking group. Do they get it together? Uh, do they go back to the, the ways of being the, the silver bullets? Do they back up that? exceptional off uh, defensive line that, that Kevin spoke so eloquently about that. That's what I want to see where, where do they come together in the pecking order and nine strong? Yeah. Linebackers safety, basically the, the defensive secondary is something that I, you know, am maybe not negatively interested in, but you've got a lot of guys who are going to have to step up. And I think that's one of the things where you can lose games if you don't. I mean, you know, I just, I, I have these, you know, Vietnam S flashbacks to Iowa where it's like, well, yes. we'll, just, we'll just dump it over them. It's fine. And yes. then, you know, fast for 500 yards. And that's, you know, that'll, that's how you beat Ohio state. I don't, I don't want there to be a unit on this team that is so packed with talent. And I don't think there will be, but it's just something keeps you up a little bit. That could be a weak link that teams could exploit for a lot of yards and a lot of points. I don't know, Kevin, am I, am I crazy in that? Is that something that, I have a right to be a little concerned about. 
I, I think like, yeah, I, it, it's concerning for sure. I, I, I think like, I'm just having flashbacks to that too. Cause it's like, that was the most baffling thing I've ever seen. It's like the, this, this linebacking core wasn't prepared to play an Iowa offense that hasn't changed in like 30 years. Like, right. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess that's reflective on, of the coaching staff. And I, I don't even know who to blame, but like, they just looked lost and it's like, extremely simple offense <laughs> I, I hate to be that guy but kevin i mean you you hit it you say who do you i look at the coaching staff and and have to ask that question i think you tie it back to the the subject we had at the top of the program why was zach smith the wide receivers coach at ohio state as long as he was hmm good question yeah. uh and 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 i say you know again here we had some really exceptional coaching in the linebacker position for a number of years. And now I'm not so sure, right. uh, you know, about where we are in terms of the quality of coaching that that position group is receiving. You know, granted, you know, you've still got uh, Greg Schiano and staff over overseeing the whole, the whole thing, but that direct position coach, I, no. I guess I'm I mean, not, a, I guess I'm not a believer yet. There's a reason why he didn't. He was the only coach that didn't get a raise after this year. Like mm-hmm. it, you know. That's, yeah. yeah, absolutely. There, those things, those aren't just performa, pro forma job interviews and or job uh, uh, performance evaluations and raises at Ohio State. I mean, it it really does track to performance. Right, and I will tell you this: one position that I am absolutely not at all concerned about is everyone's favorite position, at least my favorite position. I don't know about you guys, but uh, the punter. Drew Christman. I, I like, look, look, is he the greatest punter in Ohio state history? I don't know. Yes, but I'm not positive about that. I just am extremely excited. Like I saw it, man. I saw that 81 yard punt that Cam pulled off. Cam Johnson pulled off an Eagles uniform. And I'm like, Drew Christman's going to beat that this year. He's going to beat it. He's going to beat it. He's going to hit an 85 yarder and we're going to all like collectively lose our minds. And I want to tell you something as an Ohio state fan, you know, you always kind of, when you're in any kind of fandom, you kind of look at things that separate you from other people kind of within the same group. Like, well, we like this and you like this. I love, I absolutely 100% love how unbelievably attached Ohio state fans and how invested we are in both the kicking and the punting game. And it's not like one of those things like, Oh, you better be good. It's like, well, you know, I really prefer the Australian kind of style where he's rolling out. Like I, you didn't get a lot of backspin on that. Like I, I want to tell you something I was at, I think it was the Indiana game. Um, and the might've been the 2014 season. I can't remember which season exactly, but I saw Cam Johnson hit a punt that looked like it was shot out of the air. Like it was a duck that had been shot with a shotgun and it landed straight down on the ground. And I, it was my favorite thing I saw all year. It was the best thing ever. So I love that we have a punter that is kind of continuing that tradition. Really, really great. Um, and that's, you know, and then of course you've got Das Boot and it's just, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm liking the, I'm liking the kicking game. It makes me feel happy inside. And, and like, all other things being equal, that's something I'm going to be like, you know what? I'll show up for the kicking game. Yeah. How about that? Did, so, uh, did we ever confirm, did, did uh, President Tressel uh, retweet the video of that 81-yard <laughs> punt? I mean, did anyone ever check? Because he's got it saved on his phone. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, you know it's something you know that he, he watches like every night before he goes to bed. Like, come on. You know he that's, saw it. 
Jim Trestle quiet time tweets are some of my favorite <laughs> tweets on the internet because they're always so timely, and and I try not to read too much into them because I just I'm I'm sure that that uh, he has these you know like tweet decked uh, for oh, days sh- in the future. But sometimes there's one that comes out and I'm like, oh, who's he subtweeting with that quiet time tweet? I wonder. Hmm. Yeah, I love he, he quoted Tupac one time, and that yes. was great. that's oh, that's classic. One definitely been waiting for. Um. All right, so that's look. We'll talk more about the Ohio State Bowl team in the next, you know, couple of weeks. Obviously, as we get closer to the, you know, the opening game, let's do everyone's favorite part. This is ask us anything, and guys, you guys can go ahead and ask us anything by sending questions to dubcast at elevenwords.com or at eleven dubcast. And you know, while you're on the internet, I assume you guys can go ahead and rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Check us out on Google Podcasts. There's all kinds of ways that you can listen and check out the Eleven Dubcast. Um, so yeah. Let's let's get into it. Are you guys ready? Uh, this is the first. This is like a three-way ask us anything. It's not something we've done very often, so I'm I'm very excited about it. I'm ready, Johnny. Andy, are you ready? <laughs> Lay it on me. All right, good. All right, two questions. Here we go. Number one, this is from our good friend Connor. Uh, he wants to know. Uh, here are his two questions. He first, he wants to know uh, a few friends and I will be traveling to Dallas for Ohio State versus TCU. Uh, what would you recommend doing while in Dallas for the weekend? I have very little insight on that. Um, Andy, I know you travel a lot. Kevin, you're you're lived a huge part of your life in the South. Do you guys have any Dallas recommendations? Dallas is a really weird place, especially around that stadium. Um, it's like that whole area is like it's like the stadium's just dropped in the middle of the suburbs. Um, I went there for the for the 2014 national title game, and like. I think honestly, Kyle Jones too. We both ended up at he. I didn't know him at the time, but like we both ended up at TGI Fridays before the game of all places. It's the weirdest thing. Um, so avoid TGI Fridays and do something cooler than that. <laughs> would be my advice. There's like there's like a Walmart for any city. There's yeah, like a any- Walmart across the street. I don't. Yeah, just just do do something cooler than like TGI Fridays because it's really easy to just go to like. I don't know, like Moe's or Subway or something, because that's how it's kind of set up. But yeah. look for something cool. All right. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, sadly, the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo uh, is not until January and February. So I can't. <laughs> that, that would be high on my list of things that I'd love to do. You're, I, I go through Dallas more than I spend time in Dallas as a, uh, right as a loyal on. American Airlines customer. I've spent a great deal of time connecting through DFW, but the, I mean, it's a great city. Uh, and, and as a lifelong, um, you know, cattleman, at least at heart, eat eat beef while you're in Dallas because of if there's ever a place where you will find a great steak on just about every corner, it, it is the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex, uh, and, and support, uh, support the local cattlemen in the Lone Star state. Yeah, there you go. I would say, I mean, I've never been to Texas except for, as you have Andy, like on a connecting flight. Um, my wife was born in Houston, which has no bearing on this discussion. True. Bring it up. True, true story. <laughs> um, you know what? I had a friend who lived in Dallas for, they, you know, they really enjoyed it. Um, but I think Kevin, you kind of hit on it. Just try to get away from the suburbia of it and find more of the interesting mom and pop, less Cheney kind of stuff. I think that would be pretty good. Uh, this one's uh, this next one from Connor. He wants to know, okay, so you, you both referring to me and Bo, I guess, uh, seemed like great TV shows, The Wire, Game of Thrones. Although I'm sure 
you know, Kevin and Andy, you guys both enjoy those as well. Uh, have you ever watched Succession, which I guess it's a new HBO series about a company and a guy, a matriarch or a patriarch who's like kind of going away and his kids are vying for power. Uh, and if so, what do you think of it? I've watched the first few episodes so far, but it doesn't really hook me yet. Have you guys seen that one? Have you checked that I out? I have it, and I'll tell you what I end up doing with so many of these shows, and, and some of this goes back to before like binging shows on Netflix was a thing, but a lot of times what I would do, I did this with Lost, I did it with 24. Like I'll miss great shows until about the third season or so when everyone's talking about them. And then, oh, I'll, yeah. you know, I used to get the DVDs or, or whatnot. Now I end up doing it on Apple TV or something like that, where I'll start two or three seasons late. Uh, I did this with Game of Thrones, come to think of it. And That's what I did too, yeah. yeah. And so I kind of, I crowdsource in a way um, because what, what I hate, there was a show I was really excited about some years ago. Uh, they were rebooting in essence, Dallas, which was one of my favorite shows as a youngster. Uh, but they were doing it. Jimmy Smith was playing this character um, in Miami and his family was basically in the sugarcane and rum business. So if you <laughs> picture, you picture Dallas, but um, South Florida sugarcane rum, it was more or less the same show. First right. season, I started it from the get go. I love the show. It was fantastic. There was no second season. So I don't get emotionally <laughs> invested in a show that's going, that should take several seasons to pay off um until i know it's going to make more than one season so no I, that's I, fair i mean that's, that's so, what i end up doing well the thing is hbo is a little more reliable for something like that because yeah, true story they, they will put in a lot of like freaking do you remember arliss yeah <laughs> in yeah. the 90s absolutely oh my god I, look, I hated that freaking show but it was on for like eight Ever. years or something insane yeah, long time ballers has been a bot look i Oh, I know God. I'm probably making enemies. Ballers is a garbage show. It has been on. This is was like that your tweet season. I saw earlier? Though somebody somebody on Twitter said uh, Ballers is, is is one of the worst shows in history, and I can't wait for the new season. <laughs> like, yeah, <I> it's <laughs> it's like Entourage for people who like just wish that you know I don't know that Entourage had never ended. Entourage just is a terrible cast show characters. too. Say again. Honorage is a terrible show too. Oh, it's freaking terrible. And it was on forever. And so if, if you yeah. pick one of those prestige networks like, you know, HBO or Showtime, if it's a television program that you enjoy, you'll probably get more seasons out of it than if it was like some regular basic cable thing. Because I remember there was a show, yeah. God, I think it was like TNT or something, or not TNT, but some channel that is probably now defunct. But they had this uh, cop show called Terriers, which is a awful name for the show uh there's nothing to do with anything that happens in the show i don't know why they called it that and it was great except it ends on this cliffhanger where like this one detective has to decide whether he's going to go to jail and turn himself in for a crime or like just get away with it scot-free and it's literally the show and the entire series literally ends with him at an intersection <laughs> and it just cuts to black Oh, and everyone God. who watched that show is now screwed forever because there's no way that you'll never know what's going to happen next um, I haven't watched Succession. I, it's, I think one of the guys who was involved with like Veep or something like that. I can't remember. Another show that I enjoyed was involved with Succession. So I might have to check it out at some point. Um, I've been watching. My wife really likes uh, Sharp Objects, which is something that's been airing, and that's kind of I've been I've been kind of half paying attention to it. But the stuff that I've seen is pretty good. Um, that's got Amy Adams in it, so I'd recommend that. That seems pretty interesting. I'll have to 
I think you got a couple more episodes left off to get a little more invested, but yeah, Andy, I'm with you, man. Like some of the stuff I gotta, I sleep on a little bit. And then when I get invested, I'm like super into it. Cause after the first three seasons of game of Thrones, we bought all the DVDs. I read all the books yes. and then we just got like unbelievably invested in it. And now I get to wait eight months for the next and game season. Of, game of Thrones was tough because so I, before there was a TV show, the stunning Mrs. Vance and, and some other people in our social circle had read all of the books. And so they right, were, right, right. they were, you know, fans um, of, of the series. And then all of a sudden it becomes television and we didn't watch the first season, the second season and, and midway through, you know, between now and, and the first season, we said, well, maybe we'll give this a shot. We got the DVDs started watching the pilot and, you know, about halfway through, she was like, I can't watch this. This is, this is terrible. And because you know she would spot the difference She's wrong, but that's right? okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so what happened? So she would say, okay, we stopped because she'd spot the differences between book and show. And that would drive her crazy. <laughs> so we waited yeah. probably a year, a two, you know, another season at least. And we said, let's try this again because we love the book so much. And so, and now then we, you know, binge watched the whole series and loved it. Right, and right. can't wait for the next series, the, the next season to drop. Right. So, but it took us, you know, a couple of tries to, <laughs> to well, get understand, going. understand Andy, that you're never going to be able to read the end of the series. So you yeah, might no, as well no. watch. <laughs> I, I say this all the time to her. I'm like, George R. R. Martin's going to kick the bucket and never have finished this thing. And I'm really going to be ticked off about it. And she keeps <laughs> telling me I'm just being a pessimist. He's going to get it done. It'll be fine. Nope. I, don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe it's ever going to end. Yeah, no, his the time that it's been taking him to write these books is like on an exponential scale. So like (laughs) the next one, the next one's gonna come out in like 2028. And then like he'll have to be his consciousness will have to be put in a bionic robot body or something Mm -hmm. because that next one won't come out until like 3045 or something. Freeze the head. Just that's (laughs) right. As long as you can grip a if you can grip a pencil in your mouth, you should be able to to be able to complete the, the series. Um, okay, so that's that's the 11 dubcast for this week. I really appreciate uh, Kevin and Andy. Thank you guys for coming on, especially in short notice. Um, it was a lot of fun having you. Um, great insight into everything. It was excellent. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Well, then <laughs> next week uh, we'll be we'll again. We're going to ramp up the Ohio State football information. We'll get more into it. Um, again, check us out iTunes. Google Podcasts, please visit the and peruse the dry goods store, especially as you know what? I got a little, I got a little hint, a little sniff of fall. I'm probably deluding myself. I'm just really sick of summer, but you know, we've got a lot of stuff in that store. You guys can maybe warm yourself up a little bit in four months. Um, <laughs> but regardless, <laughs> I'm John Ginter, and uh, this has been the 11 Dubcast. We'll see you next week.